This is Redefining the Counterculture on Witten Radio. Make sure to check out our website at wittenradio.com. Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Redefining the Counterculture right here on Witten Radio. Today we are joined by the one and only Stormy Maya. Stormy, how are you? Hi, how are you all today? I'm great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'm super excited to have you on today's show. I'm, I'm stoked about the work that you're doing. And uh, first off, I just want to say, you know, how are you doing today? Uh, well, my day just started, but um, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm not a morning person, so <laughs> how are you? Right on. Uh, it's good. It's good. I can't complain. <laughs> so um, you're... You're known for the work that you've done with uh, Spike Lee's um, She's Gotta Have It. And I was wondering, what was it like for you working on the series and just working with Spike? Oh, okay. So that was an amazing experience. And, like, I was super shocked that I even got got the role. But um, it was honestly such an honor because, you know, now with him winning the Oscar and stuff like that, there's, like, some historical things going on. So... Working with him, number one, was just, like, overwhelming as far as being excited to work with this legend. But the role itself, character called Jennifer Clemente, and she's, like, this 50s, sassy Puerto Rican girl from the Bronx. And she was really fun to play. She's a recurring character, so she's, like, towards the end of season two. So if there's a season three, there's a possibility you might see her again. And, um... Honestly, it's just like working on a set that big and doing a show that big. It's like really a super exciting experience. Like I think any actor should have that experience once in their life. But to be to be honest, like the overall feeling is just like surprise and excitement. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. What was it like? Do you remember? I guess like auditioning the for the role and getting the call back. How did you prepare for it? So it's a long process. It wasn't like a typical audition where, you know, you audition, you hear back, and you get the role. It was actually way longer than that. And before I even got the role, when I saw what they wanted, I actually did research for, like, a whole week. So, like, I actually was watching, like, Rodney Perez videos and stuff like that, kind of trying to get the vibe of what he wanted because he wanted, like, this, you know, neighborhood girl, this, like, super sassy um, girl. So I did research for about a week, and I, like, practiced, and I went in. auditioned, but we had to do, like, I had to do, like, a whole other callback. So after I auditioned, I'm like, oh, my God, did they like me? Did they like me? And so, like, a week later, I was going back in again. So I went back again, and that time Spike Lee himself was there. And the funny thing is I went into the audition, and I had this, really big afro and stuff. So all these girls are looking at me like, who is this girl? <laughs> like, you know, because she's like a regular everyday Puerto Rican chick, so you don't really think like big afro and stuff like that. But, you know, I was rocking my fro and I was walking in. So these girls are looking at me like side eye. I'm like, whatever, chick, I'm going to get this. And um, <laughs> and so then after the, after the callback, um, it was kind of like, for a couple couple weeks, I was like, okay, did I get it? Did I not get it? And the next thing that I know, they invited me to a table read slash rehearsal thing. So at this point, my agency hasn't locked in that I got the role yet, nothing like that. But I went to the table read, and I was like, okay, I called her. I'm like, I guess I have the role because I'm here at a rehearsal slash table read. And I, stay, I was just here for like four hours. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, I basically was like, did I, did I, did I get it? And it was kind of like that for a while because I was like, did I officially get the role? Did I not? Um, and then about a couple weeks after that, we actually filmed and everything. So it was it was a very long process, but it was very worth it. Man, I bet. I bet. And it's got to be, you know, just amazing, you know, being attached to, you know what I mean, such a, an iconic director, and just you know a, a you know a a piece of his art because i mean you know she's got to have it you know this is the film there's a tv series and it's just like i mean spike lee is legendary and so that must have been just great you know being just around him and immersed in 
you know, his art. Yeah. No, definitely. It, it is. It's like working with great people. And, you know, as my career continues, I hope to be surrounded more by people like that that influence me. And, you know, I like to be around winners. That's how you become a winner, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I um, this kind of leads into my next question. But, I mean, you're a triple threat. Um, you know, you do music, you, you act, and then you're also known for your modeling. Um, out of the three, I guess, vehicles that you – you know, that you're associated with, um, which do you like the most? Um, so I have a kind of a love and hate relationship with all of them. And to be honest, like I could kind of say, oh, I like this more, like this more, but it's actually more just in that moment because I have moments of where I hate it, moments where I love it. And I think like a lot of artists have that because it's just not an easy industry being an entertainer. You know, I've been in the industry since I was 16, and I started in modeling, and um, I didn't transition into acting until I was about 20 years old. And then from there, I just started doing music last year. So obviously, like, music probably going to be my favorite at the moment because I haven't had as much, you know, heartache and, like, stuff like that with it yet. But um, the thing about acting is acting is, like, my true love. Like, I've always wanted to be an actress, I always wanted to be in movies and films. It's just that the processes and the industry itself, it can be very overwhelming for people because it's like the auditioning, like you constantly are kind of heartbroken in it. Like you have like 100 auditions a month and then out of 100 auditions, you can make maybe two roles and it's just like a long process. So some people just get really tired of it and really exhausted, but um. I guess I would say, like, my favorite right now would get me the music just because I have a little bit more freedom with it and there's a little bit – it's a little bit more in my hands as far as power, like, as far as how fast it goes and as far as um, how far I go. It's a little bit more in my power versus the acting stuff is kind of, like, more political and it's a little bit more time-consuming because even movies and films themselves take forever to come out and you could be in the best movie ever, but they might not see it for another whole year or two years. So I guess music, like to answer your question, is music right now. Man, absolutely. Yeah, I, when you break it down like that, it definitely makes sense because, you know, it's. I mean, with film, it's like you're you're basically putting yourself out there, you know, hoping that you know, somebody will see the vision and, you know, get on board with you and you just never know. Like you said, you could audition mm -hmm. for a hundred roles and, and get one. And so it's a, it's a numbers game, but it's, but it, I can see where it's also political as well. Um, yeah. Well, it's the thing about acting is you're more like, unless you're producing and creating your own stuff, you basically have to fit into what people want fit into this box, whether, you know, everything from appearance, to personality, to everything else. And music, you have freedom. You are you. Like, there's no rules. You can have your hair however you want. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. It's you. Like, music's actually you. You actually give a piece of yourself in music. Acting is just like you're kind of putting on a role that someone else wants you to be. But music is you. You're only playing yourself, basically. So with acting, people have to kind of fit into what everyone wants. So that's the pressure. Because it's like, okay, well, we want this age, we want this hairstyle, we want this look. And, like, that's really hard it's just to constantly conform into other people's visions of yourself. And um, that's, that's, that's one thing as an actor that you do face. That's why I've gotten really big into producing for myself and creating my own stuff, um, kind of to gain back a lot of that freedom and power that you kind of lose in being an actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of your music, um, you, if I'm correct, you actually had an EP uh, that came out in January? Yes, um, on January 21st was my first EP, my first music ever to the world. And um, since then, I've been just pushing it. And I have a single coming out in about one week. I have a single coming out. And then I'm going to be working on a full album all summer and hopefully releasing that at the end of summer, making like 10 to 12 songs. I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit about it. What was the, the writing process like and kind of what was the story behind, <clears throat> excuse me, behind this EP? So basically, like, I never had plans of getting into music. So when, like, 
I started getting approached about it, I kind of was like figuring like who I want to be in it, what I want to be. And I decided that I already do forms of art where I'm not Stormy Maya, like where I'm other people, other things. And I was like, if I'm going to add on another form of art to my resume, it needs to be something that's raw me and it's me. And my whole thing is like female empowerment. Um, I'm really big into like, you know, advocacy for people of color, for women's rights, for just people overall. And, you know, a lot of people think it's kind of corny because, you know, I make conscious rap. I make things that are fun, but I also like to make things where it's delivering some type of message. And that's why a lot of people will listen to my stuff and say, oh, my God, it sounds like it's from the 80s or the 90s. And that's because that's the era that I'm, attack- I'm, a- I'm attracted to when it comes to hip-hop. And um, because back then, you could listen to something fun and funky and enjoy yourself, but there wasn't underlining deep message. And I think the messages that you have in your art are very important as well. Because if everything that you put in your music is about killing each other or about, like, drinking drugs and all this other type of stuff, like, that's what people are really absorbing. And I think it's okay, you know, have fun with a couple of songs, but when everything on the radio is about the same thing, it's kind of like, yo, what is missing in this equation? And I saw that there was, what was missing was a powerful female voice that kind of, like, steered people in a positive, fun way. And um, also, like I said, empowers women to use their sexuality and in a different form. Because now, like, we have sexuality can just being kind of flirtatious. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll see rap songs, and it's like, okay, I had sex with this guy, and I got money, had sex with this guy, and uh, I'm in the strip club, and da-da-da-da, and I'm playing right, him right. like that. But my <laughs> that's <laughs> that's different from my form of sexuality is like you know just being a female and owning what you have and um it's not wrong it's not criminal and um I guess this is like a different approach that I have with what I do so my own inspiration was kind of to show the world a little bit of who I am but they haven't got the full the full wrath yet because you know we do live in a world that's you know, it's commercial, it has to be marketable. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to release my full crazy mind on them yet. I'm going to do songs that are still, um, you know, likable by the masses. But overall, my stuff, is like my real stuff will be coming out eventually, will be a little bit more hardcore and a little bit more honest. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I think, you know, and I was having this conversation with somebody um, just the other day, but, you know, I really think that, um, you know, mainstream music is due for almost um, a a revival in the sense that, you know, we need more musicians such as yourself that are, you know, an artist such as yourself that are, you know, provoking thought and conversation because, you know, ultimately music is a vehicle that transcends, transcends race, uh, color, religion, creed, sexuality, all of it. And it has the the power to actually change people for the better. And so um, I just, whenever I hear artists such as yourself that are, you know, doing their part to try to make the world a better place, it really, it really, really gives a sense of hope because you're right. A lot of the stuff today is just, it's like, it's just cranked out and there's just really no thought process behind it. And it's just, um, it's garbage for like, but I mean, it has a good beat, you know what I mean? No, I can believe what you're saying. Like it's, it's because we live in a society now of mass production. Like, you know, that's another difficulty you face as an artist in today's world. Like it's not like the eighties or the nineties or the seventies and stuff like that, where people didn't mind waiting like a year for a super amazing song that had symphonies and bands, you know, and all type of stuff going on. We live in a world where they want things immediately. And it's really hard to keep up with that demand and then still give quality. And that, that's one thing right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, but, um, I love it. <laughs> no, they, no, you know, I mean, it's just like with the whole music thing, um, it's been an adventure for me. And but the thing about it is funny. People always call me the Trojan horse with music because I do kind of clickbait people a little bit, you know, especially with my song titles. I'll have very explicit sexual song titles. And, you know, 
based off my imagery and stuff, people would think like, oh my God, this is another girl basically rapping about, you know, her titties or about some type of sex thing. But the thing about it is the way I do it is I'll have this kind of cover like, oh, sexuality, fake titties, fake ass titties, like my song, fake ass titties. But then you click on it and if you actually um, listen to it, it's actually like really deep lyrics. Like it's actually something that's something. And that's kind of the fun part of what I do. Because I know people aren't going to click on a video that's like, how we can change our world and like, money back in our economy. Oh, no, you know what I mean? Like, not. They're, they're not. <laughs> you've, got to be, you've got to be wise as a snake, but harmless as a dove. You know, it's, it's, yes, you, you, you can't, know. Yeah, you can't be like oh, Stormy's album of, um, you know, <laughs> unity anthems. Like, no, that's not feeling. <laughs> no. like, you <laughs> With like a dashiki on and like you know holding some kale, talking about you know saving the animals. Like no, like you have to make things appealing to people, and you also have to, you know, be lighthearted in your approach. Like you don't need, even if you are someone who wants to preach something positive, it's a good message to them that you don't need to be that person to do it. Like you can be the fun person with the titties out, dancing around, changing the world. You don't have to be the freaking dude at the podium with a tight suit on. If you can look like me and change the world, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. That leads us to my next question, you know, just in terms of, you know, your your ethnicity and, you know, your openness with sexuality. Um, do you feel that people have often, often uh, times misunderstood you and kind of put you into a box? I mean, I face that every day in all avenues of what I do and, um, Number one, we live in a society where if you're a woman and you're sexual or if you are attractive, you automatically get pinned with, oh, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're not really worth anything, but that image. And especially because I started my career off as a model, especially a Playboy model for two years, you definitely get pinned with the whole, oh, you're just like another pretty girl, just stick to that. And that's the insult that you'll typically see on my page or my music. Oh, this sucks, just stick to modeling, just stick to being pretty. And it's it's actually a really sexist thing, and people don't even catch up on how sexist they are. But basically, they teach us girls. They'll say things like, oh, you're too pretty to work hard. You're too pretty to do that. Like, like just be pretty. Just sit in a corner. That's your talent. But I refuse to live in that mindset. I refuse to live and have my life be so vapid that that's my whole existence. Like, I'm worth way more than that. And if you want to say anything, my beauty and my sexuality is actually my power because I'm going to draw you in with that. But once you're in, I'm going to give you a message you can leave with. So you might not listen to the six foot dude telling you, Hey guys, we got to make a difference here, but you might listen to the woman that you find attractive. So, I mean, that's what I, I do deal with that a lot. But <laughs> is it oh, I get it. Yeah. I, I, but um, people, people know who I am. They don't, don't understand me it's fine but I feel like my real family will merge eventually but people always are mixing up like who is this chick like what do you what's your real message and they always try to come at me and... <laughs> 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 it is what it is. yeah yeah I understand I understand completely and and you're right I mean it's um it's commendable that you know you're 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 not wanting to just live this really vapid life because I mean so many people do you know they're just shallow um but the fact that you know you know your strengths you know one of your strengths I should say and you use it you mm -hmm. know what I mean to, to to bring a change I mean I, I think that's commendable because again it's you know we live in a world with there's where there's a lot of pretty faces but you know they're not really doing anything to you know, help change the status quo or better people. And what the world world needs right now is betterment, you know. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I mean, the pretty faces are selling you things on Instagram all day. That's about it. Right. <laughs> selling, selling makeup and shit all day, you know, which is fine. Like, but I feel like people in general have to take some type of responsibility. As far as, like, if you're an influencer, you have a lot of followers, I, I always say, if you have a lot of followers, if you get 100,000, 200,000 more, a million followers, you do have some type of personal responsibility to kind of influence your followers in a positive way. You know, like you have the term influencer, influencer, but it's like, what are you influencing your followers to do? Like, what, do you, what is your message to them? 
And my whole thing is, like, I try to leave behind a legacy. Like, I don't know what my purpose is and all that type of stuff, but whatever it is, I want to leave behind something positive when I leave. Like, I believe if when I die, I want to leave the world in a place better than when I came. So that that's satisfying enough for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that's something that we should all, you know, aspire to do. I mean, we should all want to, you know, because each man's life touches another. And so, yeah. you know, what you help make happen for somebody else, you know, somebody else will turn around and, you know, could make happen for you or a family member. I mean, the seeds that we sow, they're so powerful. And so you want to sow good seeds. I agree. I do. I agree. So I want to transition just for a minute, and I want to talk about your newest film, 2050. Um, it's film, especially since um, this is this is now a thing. I, I think uh, I read somewhere the other day that uh, there's a brothel over in I think it's Europe somewhere where um, it's you know it's all sex dolls, um, and then Nevada's looking into it here. Um, the film definitely is more than just a skin thriller or skin flick. It's um, it's pretty eye opening. Tell me, what was it like for you? I guess when you first learned of the project, what drew you to it? Well, when I saw the listing for it, this is like 2016. Basically, it was really different from other things out there. You know, everyone's like, oh, drama this, comedy this, and they had just very repetitive plots and stuff like that. And it was something that was very unique because it seemed like it was some sort of like deeper type of thinker film, which that's what I personally watch anyway. I watch films that make me think. I watch films I have to watch four or five times to understand. And there's like a lot of symbolism and basically I like satires. So that film kind of struck me as that, especially seeing they wanted someone to play robots which is like, for an actor, the complete opposite of what you're taught to do as an actor because you're typically taught to be very human, to be very real, to just show a lot of emotion and, and just be relatable. So to play the complete opposite of that where, like, you, you don't have, like, you know, like artistic freedom. You're very bleak. And to kind of remove all your emotion and play a role where you don't really have any mannerisms or things like that. We weren't even supposed to blink, you know. So <laughs> I guess what attracted me to it was the uniqueness and just the challenge of it. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I would imagine where, where that would be hard. I mean, was, was there a time where it just, where the filming was, like, particularly arduous for you or where you thought, like, you know, hey, maybe this isn't a fit for me and what I want? Um. Honestly, the whole experience overall was very pleasurable. Like Princeton um, became a really, really good friend of mine. He's the producer and director. And we got really close fast. You know, we started talking. And he actually hired me at a theater play, uh, a play I was at. So he had came and saw a play that I was at, and he was in the audience. And he recognized me from the audition I had done, like, a week ago. And he came up to me after the play, and he was like, yo, like, you're amazing. I want to offer you that role. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. And the um, experience was really pleasurable. So, like, I really didn't have any moments where I didn't like it or where I did doubt myself. It was my first movie. The funny thing is it was the first movie I was cast in, and we started filming, like, I said, 2016. But since then, I've done, like, tons of other movies, tons of other projects. And, um I've kind of just seen my transition now to how I am as an actress now, but it was a great starter film. So to be honest, like I was just so ecstatic to be in a movie. It was my first movie, and I was super happy. So, <laughs> man, I, love I wasn't it. complaining. I love it. This is yeah. kind of a weird question, but what is? Are there noticeable differences between, um, I guess, film acting and television acting um, in terms of, like, how you prepare for the role and just even the filming process? Because um, I, I know that, you know, you, you've done, you know, television, but um, would you say that are they different? Are there any differences, noticeable differences? 
Well, I do all three. I do theater, TV, film, and movies, like, take the longest. You know, like, the process itself takes the longest. And I think the thing that's hardest about movies is the distribution process, especially if you're going indie, you know, kind of the time that you have to spend with them going to maybe festivals and doing distribution and waiting for that film to come out. That's the part. You know, that's that's what I said. Well, it's harder to be an actor than any other form of this entertainment because our end products take forever. Like, imagine you spend, you know, a whole year doing movies. It might not be a year or two until those movies come out. So you don't really have anything to show people to elevate to the next level until those movies come out. And I think that's the difficulty versus TV. Typically when TV casts, you film most likely like a week or two later. Like you'll get the role for TV and you film like a week or two later. But TV typically, since TV already has distribution, there is no waiting game. There's no guesses. Like you know, okay, it's going to be season two. This is when they're going to air it. So TV is more guaranteed and it's just more organized. Like they already have when they're going to come out. They already have it scheduled when this next season's coming on. So you don't have to be like, oh, my God, when is it going to show? When am I going to be able to show this? With TV, you already know when you're going to be able to show it, how, what channel it's going to be on. And um, that's that. And TV is, like, way better for actors. It's way more money like on my level. You know, if I was a movie star or a TV star. But it's just, like, a lot more money in TV. It's a lot more consistent because it's, like, multiple episodes, multiple jobs. And um, it can be a little bit funner in that sense just because it's a little bit less um, a little bit less stressful on the actors. But for films, films are like a really big commitment. They're a little bit deeper with the commitment because you really have to wait around and kind of see where things go. You kind of have to be there for the process of, like I said, the festivals. You're winning awards. Um, you know, there's a lot of that going on. And I think that's, that's the difference. And a lot of movies, especially in this indie world, a lot of movies don't get finished. Or a lot of movies just take forever to come out. So... I prefer TV for that. Just way easier to elevate as an actor. It's just way faster. Like if you start in TV, your career probably will go a lot faster than with movies. Because movies is like for everyone to see them. It's just like a, uh, it's just it's a longer process, you know. <laughs> Man, I I never I guess I never knew that, but yeah, that does make sense. And it's it's almost like when you're doing a movie, it's like it's a big chunk of your life because between like the the filming and then just preparing for the role and I mean even the from the time that you you do the film to the time it's released I mean that's you're looking at what yeah. six, seven months a year you know like that's crazy yeah I mean it depends like you know like with movies it's just the process just takes a long time like a lot of these Marvel movies that people love a lot of them take like two years to film or something you know and um, or at least to at least to release. It's just the process between editing and the promo for it. It's just a lot with that. You know, it's a lot more pressure for the people who make the movies for it to flop. It's a lot of pressure on that. Or it's just a lot more of that game. So it's more of a difficulty for the producers of the film. But being a part of a historical great movie is something that's not really touchable as far as the TV world because having a historical movie that's seen, like, years later, like, that's an actor's dream, you know, like, because if people more likely watch these really um, iconic films more than they do iconic TV shows, you know, like like movies or something that people usually watch for years to come. So if you can get onto like a really iconic film that travels for decades, like that is a real achievement. So even though it's more difficult for movies, I think it's more rewarding in that sense. Because uh, TV shows are very like you know, generational. Like, I'm weird. I watch shows from the 70s and 80s and stuff. A lot of people don't. <laughs> Me too. And Me too. Good times. <laughs> all the, yeah, the Good Times, Sanford and Son, Different Strokes, like 227. That's me, because I'm just weird. But most <laughs> people don't. But everybody watches 80s movies. Everyone watches 70s movies. Everybody watches, like, you know, movies from the 90s and stuff, because it's just, it's just an easier thing to do, number one, is to watch movies. Like, no, not everyone's sitting around watching <laughs> old sitcoms. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Basically, I think I would enjoy TV more just because I'm trying to get my name out there. And then once I got my name out there, I would be able to play ball with anything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It becomes your 
your your calling card, so to speak. You know, your new calling card. Yeah. I love yeah, it. So the film t- 2050, I saw that it's got a limited theatrical run. Um, it's going to actually airing in Nashville, which is really close to us, which is cool. Um, and then I think Atlanta and there's a couple other cities. Um, do you know if there's any plans for like an extended um, theatrical run? I'm not really sure. I just know at this moment they have a, there's been a lot of press, a lot of PR, and I think that it's a possibility. I think it's just kind of like they're shopping the film around and they're weighing their options as far as offers and they're weighing their options as far as what's best for the film. So I really don't know because I'm not on the producing end of this, but it would be pretty awesome. But to be honest, like where the money's at, like people want it online. If it can get on a streaming service like Netflix or something like that, it might be more beneficial to the film because most people don't really go out to the movies anymore, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, it's it's weird to think think about it like that, but I mean, yeah, it's you know, streaming is where it's at, and if you can get a, you know, a bang yeah. deal, it's, I mean, you're doing good. I would imagine, you know. No, nah, definitely. Like that's where the money's at right now is streaming, and you know, that's where you can get the most views. If people want to watch things in the comfort of their home, you know, so. Absolutely. We'll see what Absolutely. happens. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, where can I listen to audience to find out more about you and um, just kind of keep up to date with you know, like your new, you know, music releases and, and stuff that you're working on? So, you know, I'm always going to kind of be out there floating around, you know, <laughs> in the indie world. But basically, if you look at my, my, my birth name is Stormy Maya. Like, that's not a stage name. It's my real name. But... I'm basically the only Stormy Maya out there, I believe so, when someone's trying to, you know, steal my swag. But you can basically look me up on <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, uh, Tidal Music, any of those streaming services I'm on. I'm on Amazon Music, everything, Apple Music. I was trying to get my streams up on Spotify, so, yeah, look me up on Spotify, Stormy Maya. And my first EP is called Body of Work, and you can find that on there. But, um Basically, like I said, I have a couple singles coming out before my full album, so I'll be posting constantly on iTunes and Spotify and Tidal. And on YouTube, I'm releasing, like, a lot of music videos, okay? Like, trust me, I'm going really hard with content. And so you, if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Stormy Maya Music, you're going to get tons of new music videos all the time and promo videos. And obviously Instagram, where I'm most thriving, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can look me up, Stormy Maya on there. And I have a lot of fake accounts. So I guess you should just use your wisdom to kind of figure out what's real and fake. I mean, the page with 3,000 is not me. The page with 400,000 is me. Um, but, yeah, basically I'm on Twitter. I'm on all that stuff, you know. And like I said, you'll, if you do follow me, you'll always see a transition. Oh, I have a movie out. Oh, I have a, a you know, some type of film out. The show's out. Or oh, I'm doing an appearance or I'm doing music. And I'm going to be touring soon, and I'm also going to be doing a lot of shows. And the thing that's really unique about my style of hip-hop, um, I'm going to be doing, like, a, like a burlesque, like, strip slash rap shows. So, like, my whole oh, thing. Oh, wow. Was, <laughs> yeah. That's like, I'm going to do, like, a whole thing. Well, you know what it is? It's like, you know, they kind of try to make rappers not have as much fun, you know. Like, when you see people like Beyonce and stuff like that, they have dancers and you have this whole thing. And I'm like, I want to be a rap diva, you know. I want to have, like, burlesque dancing. I want to have script shows. I want to do the whole thing. And people always tell me, I remind them of, like, a, a pinup because I have the old vintage fro and I'm very, like, old school. My style of rap, so I'm like, fuck it. Like, let's go to the 50s with this shit, the 40 pinup and shit. Like, let's <laughs> You know, somebody's old school. school. Well, let's get even older. But since my whole message, kind of owning your sexuality, you know, kind of being your own woman, I'm like, this thing's dope. You know, plus men enjoy it. Why not? Like, I have no problem with men being visually simulated. I have no issue with that. So that's my plan for my shows. I want to do a whole hoopla. Like, I want to do the, like I said, burlesque strip shows. I want to perform. I want to do songs that, like, get people jumping. But like I said, leaves them with some positivity in them because whether or not they realize it or not, you know, words are spells and you're absorbing what you hear. So, you know, you might not think anything when you're listening to music that's like boom, 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 shoot all these people, kill them all, whatever the hell people listen to, but you are absorbing that. And so 
you can have the same fun with the, with the same music, but just with different lyrics that aren't about that. And um, that's what my shows are going to be. Like I said, they're going to be fun and exciting. And the funny thing is I have a lot of fans in Texas, which is so random. I had no oh, idea. Oh, wow. I, cause you know what it is? I posted a lot of things like, hey, where do you guys want me to go? And I had a lot of people from, first of all, Brazil was huge. I'm like, why do so many fans in Brazil? <laughs> uh, shout out to Brazil. I had a lot in Philadelphia, a lot in Canada. So I've already planned with my manager to do a Canadian tour. And I had a lot of Southeast and a lot of um, the Texas. Like, how many people, oh, come to Dallas, come to Houston, come here. I had a lot of people in Tennessee as well, which I was like, Nashville? I'm like, really? I thought you guys Yeah, like, you'd be surprised. <laughs> hey, we, we watched Star Wars. I'm like, all right, you know. And like, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of Southeast. So I had a lot of um, Florida. And a lot of Atlanta and stuff like that. And surprisingly, a lot, a lot of Chicago. I was like, Chicago? Because their style of hip-hop is so different from mine. Yeah, and, very. Um, very different. But yet, I had a lot of people from there, like, we love you all. And they're, okay, shit. Like, so I'm kind of just seeing where my fan base is at. I'm hoping that a lot of these female artists eventually want to collaborate with me. It'd be kind of cool. And that'll also help me expand other fan bases. But... You know, I think that because my sound is old school, I think because a lot of my stuff is conscious, that I'll probably do really well overseas. You know what I'm saying? Because they they appreciate more the boom bap. Like overseas in Europe and stuff, they appreciate Absolutely. more the, yeah, the old school sound and stuff like that. And I don't shit on the international dollar. Like you'll hear a lot of people be like, oh, you only make money if you're, you know, international, you're on tour. Who cares? These people are just as cheap as over here, you know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I... And it, it's great over here in the States, too, but the the thing is, is, like, a lot of we as Americans, you know, our, our culture has been dumbed down and so much. Yeah. You know, it's just um, it's just weird how it is over here, you know. I mean, like, okay, like, take, for instance, Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, that, that movie won Oscars. It's, you know, people are, you know, their love for Queen has been revitalized. But during um, – their run, um, you know, Queen was actually shunned for a while because they were just too eccentric for, you know, Americans, you know. And so it's just yeah. it's, it's weird how we are. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate things until it becomes big overseas or big elsewhere, you know. That's the thing with music, you know. Like, I think a lot of people, like, the main insult is things sound too intelligent. And that's kind of the funny thing to me is people – like, you want something that sounds very empty, and they just like, we just want to have a good time. You don't want to hear about your fucking politics. And I'm and I'm like, you know, I get it, but um, that's the sad thing to me, because, you know, internationally people aren't like that. And, I don't know, as a society, we've, I don't know, like, that's kind of like this thing, like, right now. Like, you know, we've been conditioned that being smart is bad, and I don't really get it. So, whatever, I'm trying to make that trendy again. Because that's the main thing I get. You sound like a teacher. You sound too smart. And I'm like, how are these insults? Like, they're like, you're using words that are too big. I do not understand. I'm sick of Googling shit that you say. What? Like, it's not even that. They're not even that big of words, you know? And um, yeah. the main thing I get to, people don't think I write for myself. They're like, you don't write, right? Like, I cannot write for you. And I'm like, why do you think I do not write for myself? Because I use a full range of vocabulary. I'm like, you know, and then I also get the stereotypes like, oh, you're from the Bronx, you know? So, like, they, they already think I'm going to be this very ignorant hood chick and I'm like dude like I could be a hood chick and still read you know <laughs> I guess people forget you know, that gonna... Fordham, Fordham's in the Bronx and I mean the Bronx is I mean it's a very it's cultural it's very cultural yeah yeah it's great well, I, I think I, like, if you listen if, if you're a real hip-hop fan like Iggy, I'm sure you know like if you're like from the generation of like you know the old school 80s the 80s rap and like the early 90s it was the whole point of hip-hop was to be conscious like that was the whole thing the whole Absolutely. purpose was to Absolutely. draw awareness and you know the whole trend of like just making things for club bangers is a very new trend like that wasn't originally what it was meant for it was meant as a way for black voices to be heard like yo this is going on in our neighborhood this is what like the grandmaster flash on like that's all meant like Look what's going on. We have crackheads over here. We are, our women are starving. Like, we have issues in our hoods and we need help. And that was the whole purpose, you know, like, NWA was to draw 
the uh, police brutality attention and stuff like that. And so people think like, oh, it's hip hop. It's supposed to be like stupid and fun. Like, no, like real hip hop is actually supposed to be intelligent. Like lyrically, like, I don't know how you could call any of these poets dumb. Like all these men, whether, whatever their background is, like the way they do wordplay, the words that they say to what they're trying to get out there, nothing about it's ignorant. Now, with the mumble rapping of right, mumble rapping killed a lot. <laughs> that's new though. That's not a freak. That's why when people come at me like, "What do you, you know?" Because the main thing I get is like, "Oh, your music's not for this generation." Like, you know, when you look at my comments on YouTube and stuff, it's like, "This music, you know, was too old school." If you want to make it big, you need to um, make your stuff more modern. And I've had a lot of artists and people inboxing, insulting me, like, "If you plan on making it." You need to make your sound, you know, something that sounds like today's music. And I'm like, I'm not following your stupid trends. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's what makes me an artist. Like, I don't like this whole, like, we're going to just do what everyone else is doing thing, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. I mean, and it, it's sad that it's come to that because, yeah, when you look at, you know, the golden age of hip-hop, you know, KRS-One and – um Countless, countless others, you know. Yeah. It, you're right. It, it was Definitely. a vehicle. Tribe Called Quest, Far Side, like, mm-hmm. you, know, like, you know, even Queen Latifah and MC Life and the Women's Perspective, Lady Rage, like, like the real MCs, like, that's the difference, too. I'm not really a rapper. I'm an MC, you know. Right. Like, MCs, their whole thing is about spreading positivity to their communities and yes. their whole thing is about, like, you know, being that lyrical artist. But most people are not going to give me that credit. And I don't mind, but I know in my career, because of how I put myself out there with my sexuality, that's something that's very weird to people. Because typically the female MCs, they're very uh, masculine with how they dress or how they kind of put themselves out there. Like, they're the girls on stage with, like, a big T-shirt on and stuff. I'm this artist with my titties out, super sexual, talking about conscious coochie, and I'm calling myself an MC. And they're like, what is this contract? What is this creature right. that you've made? You're- you're right, you're right. That's the whole message, though. The message is you can be that conscious, smart, like, militant, revolutionary woman, and you don't have to choose because I'm so sick of this, like, oh, visual has to match mental type of thing. Like, that makes no sense. It's not related. It doesn't. And it's, it's. I mean, it's really, it's, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's, it's, like, you know, stereotypical is one word I would use, you know. It, it's just, it doesn't, you don't have to look a certain way to be intelligent or to be perceived yeah. as intelligent. But, we're, you know, we're trained that culturally for some odd reason, and it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Because you have a lot of people that, I quote, unquote, look intelligent, but they aren't. And, and you know, Because like, there's, like, yeah, there's no look for it, you know. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know? Right. You're right. Yeah. But that's the, but you know, I can't really blame people for having that mentality because I do know a lot of women and a lot of men that because they are blessed with looking attractive or because their whole life people kind of put them on a pedestal for being attractive, they never kind of feel the need to come out that box. So you'll see them just be comfortable and, oh, okay, well, I'm pretty. I don't really have to try that hard. Same with guys. Like, I'm this handsome guy. I don't have to really do anything. And, um, Trust me, I follow girls every day that have a million followers, and I can't figure out for the life of me what the hell they do. I'm like, are you a model, actor? What do you do? Like, <laughs> like, what do you do? And I'm like, what does this girl do? And I'm like, oh, I guess she just looks good. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, get your money if that's all you do, if that's your thing. But for me, I that does not satisfy me. At, you know, that does not satisfy my uh, my greater purpose. You know, I want, like I said, to leave behind something. And um, I, I think that I'm very powerful. And I think... People don't understand their power. And I know that people, like, women look at me and they're like, I want to look like that. I want to be like her. And I have men that are like, I want to be with her, you know, be with her. And I'm like, that is a power. Why not use it for some type of good? And that's why I'm really big on, you know, providing for them that. But overall, I'm, I'm still an entertainer, you know, so I love to provide movies. I love to provide music. I love to provide things for people to watch and see. And um, I really can't imagine myself doing anything else. To be honest, at all, I I can't. <laughs> I hear you. No, I hear you. It it definitely sounds like you you found you know your purpose and your calling, and that's that's a rare thing, especially in today's world. I mean, where 
the average person doesn't have any idea of who they are, what their purpose is, and what they're called to do. So the, the fact that, you know, you've identified that is huge. And um, I wanted to ask you, what, what was the process like for you coming into the person that you are today? Were you always, you know, outgoing and sexually liberated and conscious, so to speak? Um, I mean, to an extent, yes, but everything has been a process. Like, you know, I'm a different person every year and I always evolve. Um, I've been open to my sexuality since I was about like 16. I know it sounds really young to people, oh my God, but that was the age where I kind of was comfortable with myself, I was comfortable with my body, I was comfortable with who I was. And the spiritual journey kind of started around that time as well. And, you know, this is when I had kind of discovered that I was a little atheist, you know, I was like, I don't really believe in a deity. I'm very, like, more spiritual than anything else. And by the time I was 18, I had found Buddhism and Taoist, of the Taoist and all that. And like I said, I became very in tune to my spirituality, who I was the person. And that kind of helped guide me as far as owning who I was. And it kind of, it's really related, like, spirituality and kind of having that confidence to go after what you think your life is supposed to be, it is connected because I don't feel judgment in my form of spirituality. Because since I, I do consider myself an atheist, I do consider myself a just spiritual person. And for that, I don't hold myself back with a lot of things. I know some people that might be a little bit on the more of a religious side, they might be a little bit more cautious of what they put out there, what they do, what they say, especially with the sexuality and stuff. But I don't have that same mentality. Um, for me, I think sexuality is very powerful. I see it as a form of spirituality. I see it as a form of, you know, kind of gaining your power as well as a way to connect to the universe. Because I think it's the most natural thing there is. You know, sexuality is in everything from plants that that uh, have sexual reproduction with the pollen and to just how nature works itself. The whole purpose of nature is to reproduce and to continue. And you know, animals themselves are very sexual. And I just, the only time I see sexuality being kind of uh, regulated is when you bring in, like, politics as far as, you know, the religion and, like, you know, Western societies and all the type of things and how people are raised. And I've always kind of broken out of that where I'm like, I don't want, I don't, I always question authorities in my life. But for me, I don't, I'm not satisfied when you just telling me, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, whether it's acting or movies or anything. So for me, I kind of on my own path. I answer to myself. And I know there's a lot of people that's like, oh, my God, that's outrageous, you know. And it could come off selfish or whatever, but I don't care. And um, that's just who I am. So I guess you would say, like, I've always been kind of a little bit on the rebellious side. And I always question everything. And I just do what the hell I want to do. So whatever you call that. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I mean, it's who I am, you know, and I re- the thing is I respect other people's beliefs and what they are, but for me, I'm just my own person, so. Absolutely. I guess I've always been like that. Yeah. I, lo- I love <laughs> it. What, what advice would you give to somebody listening to this interview that's struggling with coming into themselves and, I guess, accepting themselves for who they are and just living in freedom, so to speak? What advice would you give them? So... I think that I think this sounds really weird as advice, but you should you have to really stop giving a fuck. I'm gonna say that on the radio. You have to really stop giving a care. Um, that's a censored one. And um, these people that's like, what does that mean? You know, and I'm like, you just really have to stop caring about everything around you that does not benefit you and it's not for you. You know, people are gonna criticize you no matter what. You know, if you don't achieve your dreams, if you don't go after what you want, they just talk about how you never made it. And they'll just down you and say that you're not, you're nothing special, basically. And if you do go after things, they're going to feel intimidated. Because people always are intimidated when your light shines uh, brighter than theirs, when you're accomplishing things that they can never imagine themselves doing, you're always going to be a target. No one ever talks bad about the people doing worse than them in life, you know. They don't talk bad about the cousin that has a job that's not as good and stuff. People are intimidated by people who are want to shift and change the world. And I think that you have to be strong mentally and you have to just not care. You can't sit around and care what people think, can't sit around and care what people are going to say about you because people, especially in this world, the way our society is, people literally just follow what they're told to like anyway. 
So when you first come into the game, let's say you want to be an entertainer, um, people are always going to come at you. Oh, my God, your music sucks. Oh, your movie sucks. This sucks. This sucks. But you get on a major blog, you won an award, now they're on the bandwagon. Because most of these people don't even know what they like. They like what they're told to like. You know what I'm saying? Like, And to be honest, that's how most people are with everything. You know, when you're going through the struggle, let's, you know, whether it's entertainment or not, when you're going through the actual struggle of trying to make it, it's always like, oh, people try to bring you down, always trying to talk bad about you, what you can and can't be. Oh, you're wasting your time. You're you're a grown man trying to be a rapper. Oh, you're this trying to do that. And they bring you down. But then as soon as you make it, then the main ones are like, oh, my God, I'm your biggest fam. You know, you need some money. <laughs> Very two-faced, yeah. That's how people are. You know, even if it's not entertainment, even if it's your struggle to go through school for freaking eight years so you could have this bomb career or something or whatever it is in life, like, people are always going to bash you when you go against the grain. Because people are uncomfortable with shifting. They're uncomfortable with change. And the person who embraces change and loves it is a person that's going to be the most powerful in the room. And I think that, you know, anybody who wants to be the most powerful person in the room, you have to be the person that evokes change, the person who embraces it, loves it. And if you hate it, you have to just learn to, to love it. You have to learn how to be different. And, like, yeah, you should be yourself, but you want you should be more than just yourself. You should be the best version of yourself. You should challenge yourself and be a whole other level of yourself. Don't just be satisfied being comfortable. Make yourself uncomfortable. Shift, change, you know. So there's a lot of advice, but a lot of people do message me and say things like, you know, you kind of inspired me to try this, try that. I'm like, yeah, what are y'all so scared of? Failure? You've already failed. If you don't do it, you've already failed. If you don't go after it, you've already failed. You know what I'm saying? Technically, if you go after something you want to do, there really is no failure. You've gone after what you wanted. It's just now there's levels to it. Like, to me, I mean, I'm already an actress. I'm already doing music. But there's levels to it. Like, there's granny level, and then there's independent stormy little level, and there's, like, Marvel movie versus, like, straight-to-DVD movie. But at the end of the day, you're not failing. You see what I'm saying? Like, you're still achieving what you wanted. Like, if I stopped doing stuff right now, I didn't fail. I just didn't elevate to the level that I might want to, but... Once you go into it, you're not feeling anymore. Like, you've, you've already done it. Like, like you know, how we yeah. tell people that. Like, oh, I aspire to be this. I'm an aspiring actress. I'm an aspiring music. I'm like, once you actually start doing it, there's no more inspiring, you know? Like, there's only aspiring up until when you actually put actions up to it. Once you put actions towards it and you're actually physically doing it, there is no more aspiring, you know? Exactly. I, I agree. Start Start stepping into the role and saying, I'm an actor, I'm a radio host, I'm a a rapper or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, you are, because, you know. Yeah. No, definitely, you are. Like, once you start actually doing it and you act, you are that. So I always tell people, like, you know, just don't don't feel like, oh, you're scared of failure. Because, you know, like I said, there is no, there is no failure. As soon as you start doing it, you know, even if you sell one album, even if you freaking uh, one movie, you didn't fail, you know, you did it, maybe it wasn't for you. But that's that's another extension of being scared of what people think of you. Like, most people are only scared of failure because they're just scared of the people are going to say, I told you so, or they're scared of people looking down on them. Like, if you live your whole life like that, you're just never going to enjoy it. Like, you just have to be raw, I don't care, you know, F y'all. And that's kind of my mentality. I'm like, I don't give a damn. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like you. You're a hoe. I don't like your face. I don't care. <laughs> Like, like, you just really can't. Like, you know, people talk bad about me all day long. Like, you know, you can't believe how many DMs and comments. And I get the craziest stuff, you know. The thing is, is like having, you know, an open sexuality in terms of, like, how you carry yourself doesn't always translate into you being promiscuous. That doesn't mean that you're sleeping around. No, not at all. You know what I mean? You could be a very monogamous person, but... People don't know because they jump to conclusions, you know. This is what people don't understand. Like, this is business. Like, this is business to me. That's That, that to me is work. It's like, like, you look at it like, oh, my gosh, we'll show the world her body. This is work for me. You mean anything? This is how you draw people into things. That's my illusion. That's my, this is marketing. You know, this is how I this push the music. That's how you push the movie. That's how you push the modeling. Like, that's, it's a whole career. It's not like just a girl in the bathroom taking pictures because she's bored. Like, this is my actual career. I'm a professional model. I'm a lingerie model for multiple companies worldwide. Like I work with, com- I, 
I, I'm a lingerie model now. You know, that's what I do for a lot of my, a lot of for my, a lot of my income. Like I do modeling for lingerie companies in the UK to Russia to over here in the States. And you know, I don't even know how the hell I got into lingerie modeling, but I did. And, you know, a lot of people look at that as well. Like, oh my God, I was in lingerie. I'm like, this is business. I am selling you stuff. Like, this is not just me bored <laughs> taking pictures yeah, of my bra. Like, like, people don't get it. Like, it, this is business for me. Even when you see a celebrity doing it, it's business. It's just drawing this, what you want to see. Now, I do like being half naked. I like being sexy because that's just who I am. But I'm not just giving away goods for nothing. Like, this is business. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was, I was going to say, you, just with speaking to you, speaking with you, doing this interview, like, you don't strike me as the person that would just – you know what I mean? Settle no. for anybody or just, or just, you know what I mean? Lay down with anybody. And so the fact that people think that it just shows that they, they don't know you because if, if anyone were to really speak to you within five minutes, they could tell that, you know, you're an intelligent woman, you're career driven and you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? You, you definitely don't come across as like a thought or anything like that. If a person were to really sit down <clears> and speak with you. And so, I just, it's just crazy that people are so judgmental, but, you know, that's just the world. I mean, it, it, but you know what? It doesn't bother me that people think that. I think it's a, it's a true blessing and a pleasure to actually know who I am as a person and to actually fully know me. And I don't believe the whole world needs to necessarily know me. If they never do, they never do. Um, people that are at my level, as far as IQ and as, as far as just consciousness, I think they automatically will know. But for the masses point of view, no, they most likely won't catch on to it. Like, you know, sheep will not catch on to it. And that's fine because that's not, I'm not making money off of people thinking I'm smart. I'm making money off people thinking I'm hot. They have no problem with that. I mean, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if they don't catch my underlining messages of what I provide, like they don't understand the knowledge that I'm providing them with, that's for them. You know, I can bring them the knowledge. I can bring them the consciousness. If they don't want to catch on to it, that's, that's up to them. Um, if they're going to be so blinded by their sexism that they can't see past the body to get to the underlying message, that's them. Um, I'm an entertainer overall. My job is to entertain. I'm a, like I said, I do music, I do films, I'm a model. Obviously, round that all up, I'm an artist slash entertainer. And um, there's different parts of me. I'm a deep individual. I have different sides. So whether you want to latch on to the sexuality, the physical, or you want to latch on to the spiritual or the mental, it's up to you. You know, I have so many different sides of me like any other human being that you pick and choose what parts of me you want to emphasize on. So I'm not dwelling on people not knowing I'm smart and all that. I don't give a fuck. Like, you don't have to know I'm smart. I don't care. I don't, like, I know I am. You know, I need some type of validation from Doug in, like, Milwaukee you know I'm smart. Like, I don't give a damn, you know. I, right. Like, I'm yes, smart. Right. Like, I use my – anybody who can make a living off their body in the sense of, like, just the visual of it, not actually selling it. Like, if you can make money just by taking photos of it and videos of your appearance, people are like, oh, because people try to describe me that way. Oh, my God, you only got views because you're hot. Okay, great. I have a career because I'm hot. That sounds like an amazingly smart thing to do. Right, and you're not I'll punching the clock going. like the rest of us. I mean, I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to admit it. I have a like, – Exactly. Yeah, and I, I hate to admit it. I'm I'm a working stiff. I punch a clock, but I'm not doing this, and I, I hate it. And it's like, but what you do is, you know, it's financial freedom, and you you love what you do, and you've combined it with your purpose, and that's something that's just rare that a lot of people can't say that they they've ever done, you know. And that's to me that that's extraordinary. I think, you know, in this lifetime, you kind of have to just go, you know, go after what makes you happy overall. And um, I've just never been happy living a routine life, and I don't ever shame anyone for doing it. But for me, I just, like, it's not for me. And if I have the will to be able to break out of that, why not? And, my, you know, a lot of people look down on my way of doing it. I don't really care. Like, that's, it is what it is. But I would like, like, for feminism – you know, I always call myself a feminist, and people look, oh, my God, a feminist? And I'm like, well, I'm like the Google Webster Dictionary version of a, a feminist. I stand for equal rights for women. Whatever weird definitions y'all have accumulated in your mind over social media, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. You can't make your own definitions of stuff, you know? People keep doing that. Oh, well, my version of it that's, doesn't, doesn't matter. Shut up. Um, <laughs> my version of 
<laughs> what the definition is. And um, so the main thing that bothers me about the movement is a lot of women are like, oh, I'm, I want women to be in office. I want women to, you know, be business owners and stuff. And I'm like, okay, what about the sex workers? What about the women that, that want to, you know, own their own brothel for themselves? And what about the women that want to do webcamming and stuff? Oh, I look down on that. Well, you're not a feminist. Because you should just, the whole thing, the whole movement's about just empowering women to either be themselves and, and check their own, and have their own movement and do their own thing. And to kind of take away from women who do that, that's, you're still being sexist, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're still looking down on women for doing that, which I don't approve of. Like, whether you're a housewife or a CEO of the company or you sell pussy, I respect you. And I believe that as a woman, you should own your sexuality, own yourself. It's your body, do what you want, as long as it's you and you have the power as long as someone's not forcing you as long as like it's you and your decision I respect it you know it might not be something I do but I respect people going out there and doing what they want to do and having their own freedom because ultimately it's just about having freedom and I think a lot of these women who are sex workers and a lot of women who do things like this they just want the freedom to wake up when they want and do what they want with their money so I think that I support women in general and that's my whole movement unlike other female um, rappers my thing isn't necessarily like, oh, I'm better than this woman and bashing other women. I'm more just uplifting them, you know. I'm not trying to do the whole competition thing as far as thinking I'm better than this woman or that woman, you know. I love it. Yeah, your your outlook on life is really – it's really eye-opening, but, but also refreshing because it just shows to me that, I mean, once you love yourself, and you accept yourself, and you know your purpose, I mean, your life is limitless. You can do almost anything, and I think that that's the biggest takeaway that I got from this interview is, is that. And um, Well, I appreciate you interviewing me as well. Like, you know, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, I mean, it was it was an, an honor. I mean, I, I think um, – I mean, I knew – a little bit about you before the interview. I knew that you were, you know, an intelligent person, but some of your viewpoints and everything I, I didn't know. And so uh, it just really was a blessing to me to interview you. That's the word I, I want to say. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, yeah, I, um, and I, I'm just grateful that I got the opportunity to, and I'm all out of questions, but um, I did want to open the floor to you if there's anything else you want to say to our listening audience. Um, no, that's about it. You know, like I said, they can stream the music on iTunes and Spotify, title, all that type of stuff. And like to just keep looking out for it. Like I said, I'll they follow me on social media, especially Stormy Maya on Instagram, Twitter, everything. You will always get updates when I'm releasing something new, whether it's movies or films, you know, or or music wise. And um, also, yeah, I do think they should check out the movie 2050. It is an amazing film, and it is a satire. And I think when people watch it, they have to keep in mind the actual underlining message of it. And it's really just a relationship about people, technology, and how it kind of affects our connection to each other as humans, you know. And there's one thing I disagree with in the film, I suppose, is um, I guess in a way the film is saying, like, future-wise, um, maybe all this technology kind of draws us apart because of social media and all that. I honestly think different. I believe it actually draws us closer together. I mean, we know more about each other now than we ever have. And that's something that I look at. But they also said the same thing about the newspaper and books and all that, that it would draw us apart. We wouldn't talk to each other anymore. That's right. We talk to each other now 24 hours. I mean, before, you talk on the phone with your friend, like, what, once a week or something? We talk every day. We see each each other's lives every day. Um, and I think our human connection is even stronger. I think the technology, honestly, is drawing us closer together. Um, but it is an amazing film, and it's very artistic. I think the cinematography is amazing, and that's one thing I'm really big on as a filmmaker is, like, actual, like, beautiful shots. The special effects are amazing. Like, I was watching, like, oh, my God, this is super good. Like, the um, the DP was, like, Jared Royale or something like that, or Jeff, I forgot his name. Jesus, let me... Hold on, let me look it up. I do not want to say his name wrong. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce it right. It's Jared Robal. Okay, that's the uh, cinematographer. And the work was amazing. The lighting, no, I want to make sure. I want to make sure I got it right, you know, giving credit. 
But the cinematography was beautiful, and the film is very artistic. So anyone that's into art film, anyone that's really into things that are done well in that sense, I think they'd really appreciate the film. Um, it reminds me of the film Her that I saw, like, years ago in the theater. And that was another relationship with technology and humans. And um, But, I mean, it does make a lot of great points. There's a lot of deep messages in there, especially about the water supply and food and kind of controlling the population and and, you know, it's really deep, the film itself. And I think anyone who watches it, knowing that, will look out for it and will catch up on it. So it's not just another, like you said, skin flick. It's not another film that's just, um, oh, I like sci-fi. It is a little bit more on the intellectual side, and it is a thinker film. So I think they should keep that in mind. I love it. I love it. And like I said, guys, um, it's got a limited theatrical um, uh, run. I know it's coming to the AMC 25, I believe, in Nashville. Um, and then also Atlanta and se- several other places. And we'll put that in the body of the post. Um, and um, did you, did you say, um, I can't remember, but did you say, will it have any type of um, uh, electronic release, like on iTunes or anything like that? Um, not that I'm aware of yet for the movie. Like, I have no idea what their plans are. So not on the production side of things for this movie, but I mean, I'm, I'm waiting around like you guys are to know. But trust me, a lot of people are asking because I just want to watch it at home. It's not just that I want to go out and watch it, which I completely understand. So I suppose we're all going to have to wait and spin together. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hear you. I hear you. But in the meantime, you can listen to the music on there if you want. I don't know about the music. Right on, right on. Well, Stormy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Welcome on from Jeff. you're welcome you're welcome and uh guys if you're listening to this on soundcloud go ahead and hit the subscribe button uh we're also on um uh, itunes so if you've got an iphone or an apple product of any kind you can listen to us by going to the itunes store uh we're also available for google play users you've got an android phone or android device uh just search google play music search for show name uh, last but not least, we're available on YouTube and Roku. So if you've got a Roku uh, player or a Roku smart television, you can actually watch this interview right in the privacy of your own home. Uh, just from the Roku channel store, search for us, download the app, and begin streaming all free of charge. YouTube, just search for our name, Witten Radio. Jeremy, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Walter. Have a good day. You as well. Thank you. <laughs>